0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Ben Isaacs, AKA Betty, from the block, back in the house. My first question straight off the bat to you, big man. Do you have a spare $6.05 billion
2: tag and uh, I'll check my, I might have to like pull together a few different accounts.
0: Oh, sure. Check the offshore. Yeah. Accounts. It's
2: not just my main current account. I would have to, I mean, I, I might have like some spare, like Mexican pesos as well. I can see what the conversion is for those. I mean, we should, not... we should
1: check Propos crypto, crypto empire as well, <laughs> because I'm sure we can, we can rattle a few. Cause if we can all get the money together, we can gazump Josh Harris and and take over the the Washington Commanders. I
2: mean, I'm up for it if you are. I'm pretty confident we could do a better job than Dan Snyder. Um, It's just getting that money together, which I imagine is a formality, but we'd have to move quickly because it it looks like it's going to be a done deal.
1: Well, the NFL owners have approved the sale of the Commanders to Josh Harris. And it was a group, it's a consortium, isn't it? Josh Harris is is fronting, uh, as Commissioner Goodell says, uh, congratulations to Josh Harris and his impressive group of partners. Um, He'll be a great addition to the NFL. He's a remarkable record in business sports and in his communities. But hype it up. The Josh Harris bandwagon is getting hyped up straight off the bat from Goodell, who is probably relieved as anyone that Dan Snyder is exiting stage left. Now, Snyder, I think, and this is in the backdrop of NFL owners, team owners being largely pantomime villain Types, despicable yep. kind of characters, right? There are exceptions <laughs> to this rule. We love Arthur Blank, for example. I mean, one of the most poignant, poignant images is Arthur Blank on the sidelines in Houston as everything, everything unraveled. So I'm not, I'm not going to fall into the trap of saying every NFL owner is a is a baddie, but we all know that there are countless examples. Whether it's Hard Knocks or nothing, other other shows that we've watched and media that we've seen where. NFL owners just trying to be in with the boys and that whole oh just on every level, the awkwardness, all the backstory that you hear with a lot of them, and the fact that many of them to get to the position to be able to buy an NFL franchise, they've probably got a few skeletons in the in the closet and maybe mm-hmm. some bodies in the <laughs> desert in Vegas, right? Maybe, maybe, allegedly. So we that is that is if that is accepted, I think you would agree with me, right? And I think many of us yeah, yes, yeah. agree with me. Dan Snyder might be, despite all of that, the (laughs) the worst of all. I mean, he's got to be Matt Rushmore, most horrible owners.
2: Oh, so here's the thing, right? Like you say, you've got to assume that you don't get to the point where you could buy an NFL franchise. And bear in mind, um, in effect, the Packers have never been sold. The yeah. Giants and Bears—it was like a couple of hundred dollars. We're talking kind of like if you were buying a team right now, then you've got to be a certain sort of person to accumulate that sort of wealth. You've made certain decisions in your life to put vast amounts of money above lots of other things. So let's say they are all a certain type of person, yet they all hated Dan Snyder. You would think. <laughs> so yeah. like, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something here that. I'm not sure how many people can relate to, but when you fly first class. Oh, here we go. Right. Everyone in first class is like instantly your friends because it's everyone looks at each other like, oh, you are either rich or successful and we have things in common and it's super chill. There's lots of space. Whereas in economy, everyone's the enemy. Everyone's taking up too much um, luggage space. Everyone's putting their elbow on on your armrest, all those sorts of things. Everyone's getting their drink before you. They came down that aisle, you know, everything you're just missing out on stuff. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Really the NFL owners, it should be like the first class cabin, super chill. Like, Hey, look at us. We're, we're life's winners, but they all disliked him. How, how bad must you be? If NFL owners are looking at you, like, I'm not sure if this is a good guy. (laughs) Like what's has
1: I love this idea of all the NFL owners in the first class cabin flying transatlantic Ugh. like what would they all be doing jerry would be i mean jerry would be absolutely getting trying to get numbers of all the stewardesses
2: <laughs> I, I, I i can imagine there's like a I, I see the way it would have to be is like one one jumbo jet what's that's Bob, just what's <laughs> We're not going to get this show published, are we? He's coming out out of the bathroom and people are just, I'm not going to make eye contact. I don't want to (laughs) know. And with, I reckon that Jimmy, that uh, Jimmy Jones, um, I reckon that, I reckon that it would be like, there would be a massive, massive uh, craps table there and jerry mm-hmm. jones is just kind of holding course at the craps table he might not even be playing yeah he course. just wants to he just wants to look like like of course the big, there's a the craps table. Man. i love that i love that like dan snyder of course he's been fined 60 million dollars by the nfl like that's that's how you say goodbye to someone okay you, you're getting your six billion for the team but also you've got to pay 60 million in a fine snyder's tugging like snyder's constantly hassling any of
1: the cabin crew because he wants to go into the cockpit and meet the pilot. <laughs> and he's like, pulling there, <laughs> pulling there, They're shirt. Please, <laughs> right, Mr. Steiner will try and make it happen.
2: <laughs> sit back down, please. Uh you got some owners, perhaps all the other owners in the NFC East are just thinking, can we just like open the door and kick him out? Like <laughs> we just we just want him gone. Yeah. Now there was there's stuff about um financial imp- impropriety at Washington and how one employee had emailed the CFO saying like, if there's, if there's an NF, if there was an NFL jail, we'd be in it, which is, now this just got me thinking the NFL should have a jail, like the army. If you do something wrong when you're in the army, there's a military jail, right? Even like holiday cruise ships have got jails or like a brig. If you want to get all nautical and pedantic So the NFL should have a jail. It should either be in the HQ in New York or even better, there are other HQ in LA where NFL Network is and have a reality show. So if there's like serious financial issues, yeah, stick them in NFL jail. Betting on games, stick them in jail. Salary cap infractions, NFL jail. You could even have it where if you get ejected from a game, you have two nights in NFL jail.
1: Yeah, exactly. And have- so I think players should go in there as well and, and for, you know, like PED violations, that kind of thing. Yeah. So so then you've got, the, as you do in, in real jail, Different tribes, right? So you got, <laughs> yeah. got the different crews out, out in the uh, uh what do they call it? Into the, in the yard, out of the yard. Yeah, they're out of the <laughs> yard, and they're all just some of the. You've got the players are obviously working the pump of the iron. Yeah, <laughs> right they're, the they're working out the entire time. Where are the owners? So any kind of owner or front office exec or your or, you know personnel uh, organizational exec that's that's in there. What are they doing They're not uh, they're not so the iron. Are they
2: no, but you know how you'll get like there's there's some guy you'll see this in TV shows and films where there's some guy, he's like a bookish guy. And he decides I'm just going to read a load of law books. Uh, yes. So then yes. everyone is going to them for advice about like, Oh, look, <laughs> I've got this parole coming up. That's they're it. all going to him saying, look, I've got a contract that's going to be up in 12 months time. What should I be doing? So they everyone, everyone would have yes. their place, but I want to see retired players as the guards. I want to see perhaps like down on their luck, retired players, give them a chance to do something. And, just tell them. Just handle it how you need to handle it. I love it. You know, this this is a, there's a whole show
1: right here. Hey, listen, thinking uh, thinking about that. Get, and by the way, don't get any ideas that we're flying first class to Dublin. Just to be clear, Benny, I don't I'm know glad you're we're flying. To. We are flying to Dublin. We are heading there, of course, 27th. Uh, 26th of August, I should say 27th, that's my birthday, that's why the Freudian slip, we're going to be in Dublin, I'm going to wake up in Dublin on my birthday, how about that, Uh, 26th of August, Notre Dame, Navy, cannot wait for that, shout out to all our friends at College Football Island, including Scott McCabe's going to be on the show very soon, telling us what you can expect if you're heading over for Dublin for that weekend, all kinds of great stuff happening, and also looking further ahead, next summer, another game, we'll talk all about that, what it takes to put the show on the road so really looking forward to scott dropping by soon and cannot wait to be out there we're going to be recording all kinds of content podcasts stuff for social all the good stuff I also seeing as we're in the business of shout outs want to shout out rakesh rakesh you will remember listeners has been working uh on our ai movie and <laughs> the draft game and <laughs> I, I love it rakesh ben i know you love it he sent us a, i mean such a complicated and thought out overview treatment i guess teasing the elevator pitches in there that he's fleshing out the characters propo j bell's appeared in it as well ben you are the star of the show <laughs> i know i have inevitably got some hidden gambling secret as the head coach that i'm trying to hide <laughs> uh i and mike is the uh the uh Pugnacious and grumpy G- uh, G- team owner, I should say not GM, is brilliant casting. I love that as well. Rakesh, we love it. Thank you so much for sending that through. Um, we've got to try and find a way of spinning this off, whether we're going to make the show or make the movie, or cast it. I might take what you sent me, Rakesh, to Hollywood now and just see if I can raise money. Look, Dan Snyder's got a few quid. <laughs> and a loose he end. wants to play himself. Everything we said about Snyder, I will take. Um, I will. I will take the money if we're going to get that film. That
2: film made. So love that, rakesh I really appreciate all your work on that. I, genuinely, I was reading it. I was reading it this morning, and at certain points, I was. I had. I had tears in my eyes because I was laughing so hard. Um, it's an absolute work of genius, and it takes a genius, and it takes some amazing AI. And a little bit of thought and time and the amount the amount of laughs I got from that. And that's just so far. That's just yeah. so far. Uh, that's what I love. When he's talking, you're actually about a franchise.
1: Like like we said, I want something in the uh, uh, the air bud, at the air bud level. <laughs> so yep. I think we are. we're well on the way. If we can get quarterbot in there as well, um that's that's something I'd like to I'd like to see. So that's brilliant work. Uh speaking of brilliant work. Benny, uh, what do you make? Maybe this is stretching a segue a little bit too much. What do you make of Denzel Mims heading to Detroit now? Much maligned character, Denzel Mims. It didn't really work out in New York for him, but he's a talented so and so. So, is this one of those examples of deal in the grand scheme of things this off season, that isn't particularly high profile, isn't going to garner major headlines, but might end up being smart poker?
2: Yeah, I, th- I mean, the Jets clearly wanted rid. Um, it's like you say, it hadn't worked out, but he, he is talented. Like you've just got to look at his college film and you'll see how, how good he could be. You know, is he, is he like a star number one wide receiver? No, but you don't, you don't always need to like pack your rosters with number one wide receivers. The, the lions obviously are primed for potentially winning the division this year and having a playoff run. Like they, they are in an open window right now. They, they haven't got Jamison Williams for the first six games of the season. Um, He's in NFL jail. Um, he, he's got a <laughs> he's couple the of nights in NFL he, he's jail. He's in the library uh, in yeah. NFL jail. <laughs> um, I think this is like, maybe sometimes just like a, a change of scenery can make a difference and a different offense. Now, I do wonder how much Aaron Rodgers played a part in this decision because mm. he's always been quite vocal with coaches and GMs about who he wants on his offense. And I wonder if, they were not, they were on the fence with Mims and Aaron Rodgers had said, you know, I don't think he's the guy. Well,
1: they brought in Cobb, they brought in Hardman, they brought in Lazard. I mean, you know,
2: they, yeah, if, if there's only a certain number of seats there. Mm. So, so you know, certain people were going to get certainly going to get like left out. I, I really like, I really like this for the lions. I think it's such a low risk move that could have such a high upside. So, I'm not saying, oh, Lions fans, here's the here's the key piece of the puzzle that can like take you to perhaps the conference championship game, but he's easily someone who I could imagine getting like 50, 50 catches next season in the right offense with the right opportunities. And if it doesn't work out, then it's like what is it like a fifth or sixth round conditional pick? Yeah, the fifth didn't they exactly kind of late round? Yeah, pick, pick flipping. Yeah, so I think I think it's a, I think it's a nice one. Okay, uh, we
1: like that. Did you see incidentally talking about Aaron Rodgers, the um the Jets releasing Rogers in his uniform? Do you see, yeah. see the yeah. <laughs> which um <laughs> the Jets said this is not an AI generated photo was there, was there <laughs> caption.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there have been so many mock-ups, bad mock-ups generally. Um so just, I think, just the idea of look, no, this is an actual photo. But here's the world we live in. We have to say this is an actual photo of a person wearing an NFL uniform because generally people will be like, yeah, it's not real.
1: It's uh, Rogers getting a lot of stick, and I'm speaking as um, a, a man of a certain age uh, suiting up to play. Uh, and often, you know, as you well know, in our Kentish Town five-a-side league, uh, Tuesday night five-a-side league, which, by the way, is very comparable in so many ways to the NFL. <laughs> This, but, this is a bit like when you compared the you, uh, the uh, Europa Conference League to the Super Bowl. Yeah, very similar, very similar. And as i have talked about on the show, we are we are a team of vets. The uh, the, the uh, North London Galacticos are a team of <laughs> team of vets, but we've we've got some silverware. You know, we we hang in there. We ha- even the, the majority of the teams we play are all half our age, kind of certainly certainly twenty something whippersnappers, we we hold our own, but when we have won the trophy in the past and there is a team shot of us, you know, we, we look like athletes of a certain age, Benny. Mm. Aaron Rodgers had, I think fitting well on the Galacticos based on this promo picture. There was some brilliant tweets about this. Um, this is via, um, I'm just pulling a, one of those sites that kind of aggregates rights articles, essentially just aggregating <laughs> tweets about something like, uh, like uh, the Daily Mail love to it, do, but it's not the Daily Mail, but nevertheless, it's, um, it is worth uh, worth it because it's pulled some pulled some goodies, including this one. John Daigle wrote uh, this was his tweet: "When my grandpa goes 0 and 17," <laughs> that's what he wrote about it. This, <laughs> this is my favorite of Denny Carter. Looks like a coach who comes out of
2: retirement to play one last game. Uh, yeah, it's it looks like it looks like a Disney film. It yeah. looks like kind of like the the last act of a Disney film where uh, where the coach is like, "I'm just going to do it myself." After he's had three quarterbacks got an engine, he finds a loophole that oh well, technically he's not retired. He can he can play. And it's maybe like maybe we could get
1: on, ra- ra- Rakesh will uh, weave him into the uh the plot somehow. Like- uh along with quarterbot, that could be interesting. Let's talk Saquon. Um, I mean a lot of buzz about him when I and Mike and I were catching up uh, at the start of the week. I and Mike, and course, on holiday, fresh from the beach bar. It's a vintage Carlson episode. <laughs> that is in the vault. Go check that out. And we recorded it before the deadline for, for franchise tags to to sign multiple deals, uh, multiple-year deals. Um, uh, so we talked a bit about Saquon, uh, but since that time, of course, uh, and since Monday in the recording of that, Barkley made an appearance on another podcast, the Money Matters podcast, to be precise. And this is the uh, what he said, which, of course, has been doing the rounds. He might not have seen it, though. Uh Buckley said my leverage is I could say F you to the Giants. I could say F you to my teammates. You want me to show you my worth? You want me to show you how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I won't play it down. And that's a play I could use. I think actually he dropped that um before the deadline. And Carlson might have been referencing it. Yeah, I think joining the dots here, we did talk a bit about it. And we referenced Lev Bell as the as the um, That's the classic example, isn't it? Classic example. The president, Lev Bell, as Carlson said on the show, regrets that um, he he looks back now wistfully because his career was never the same. Right after he sat out mm. in uh, in Pittsburgh, and he never reached the the same height. So, got a lot to a lot to unpick here. Firstly, how do you feel about the the quote Saquon gave? Because looking at the wider context, which is always really important, he goes on to say. In that interview, it's not really my style. I, I struggle with this, but I know that that's an option. So what he's actually saying here, I think pretty fairly is, well, this is one approach I can take here. And you kind of understand why I might feel this way. Nevertheless, because we don't live in a world of looking at context and we live in a world of just rushing into everything and taking Little snippets. Oh, I can't believe Saquon would say this about his teammates. Oh, St. Saquon, Kwan, St. Saquon's the bad guy.
2: I have a lot of sympathy for him. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he's a really good teammate, and he's a, he's a New York kid. He he wanted yeah. to play for the Giants. Like it was it was his dream, and to be a star running back for the Giants is kind of all the all he ever wanted. Um, it, he would if if he left, it would be with a heavy heart. He's not his attitude isn't isn't F the Giants you know like that that quote has been taken somewhat out of context he talked about he talked about these things and he said this is not this is not the sort of approach that he would want to take but it's one that he might have to because he's got to treat it as a business which he absolutely has to do I really feel for him he's one of my he's one of my favorite running backs of the last kind of decade but like here's the problem right now what's your favorite bag of crisps Uh, Flavour or make um, Yeah So like I, I, if, I, if I had a gun in my head I might choose like um, Salt and vinegar square crisps yeah. I'm going to That's skips. an amazing crunch to that Okay skips, skips right How much would you pay For a bag of skips Hundreds of pounds <laughs> Okay Seriously
1: I don't know Depends on the mood Depends on how hungry I was it de- Skips have Skips have served me well You know mm. Skips I would say, if I think about my most recent interaction with skips, I could could compare it to 1,650 all-purpose yards that Saquon racked up in the regular season last year. So I'd I'd, I'd flex. I would respect what skips have done for me. And even if if the next three bags of skips I buy don't necessarily – aren't necessarily going to hit the mark in the way that the previous three bags
2: they're still going to definitely warm my cockles so I'll, I'll 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 pay for them comfortably but what i mean it might be that they're right on the shelf is a, a a good quality brand's standard like prawn cocktail mm. that is a quarter the price of this bag of skips and you might feel like well do you know what that gives me um enough money to buy like a I've now got change oh for a, a milky way. This reminds me of the of the time on Talksport radio when we were comparing quarterbacks to biscuits and I don't oh, yeah. even I mean, really let go of that. That was that was that was good. But I'm if this is less about comparing them in terms of their style yeah. but just in terms of so I I love crisps, right? And I reckon I eat a bag of crisps most days mm. with my lunch. If I'm eating lunch at home, if I'm working and I'm tapping away on the keyboard I'll generally have a bag of crisps with my lunch, right? But I'm not going out and spending £5 on one bag of crisps. I'm getting a multi-pack and I'm getting value. Yeah. And and unfortunately, running backs are bags of crisps. And value is so important. And at the moment, Saquon is as good as he is and has been because of his age. He's 26, which doesn't mean he's over the hill, but the way that running backs are used right now. I don't think he's going to get what he feels is market value because the the teams set the market, really, See, not the players. Here's where
1: I I get off the this train. Of course, you've got to respect the fact, the mathematics, the fiscal management that underpins the NFL. You have to. It, it you can't ignore it. And you know, do you have the masters of this? Belichick, perhaps being um, in terms of combination of his aptitude at talent assessment, t- fearlessness in cutting a star from the locker room at their peak because he knows that there's diminishing value if, if he does a deal and that's more money for the collective and you win championships with your second stringers and special teams. Yeah, I, sure. there are There is undoubtedly a, an argument that can't be disputed that you have to play the game that way. There's no real room for sentiment and there's no real logic in paying for what's happened historically because it might happen again if there's every chance that you're going to see a decline. But I jump off the train with certain exceptions and this running back debate has been really bubbling for a a number of seasons now. and feels like it's really reaching... A peak, And we talked about it a lot with Bijan Robinson in the draft, right? That there mm. are exceptions to this rule. And Saquon is 100% one of those exceptions because he is still prolific, as I just demonstrated with the stats, that forget the 100 and whatever yards he picked up in the playoffs. He carried that team. They are still, n- particularly given the fact I felt they overperformed last season, he's an integral part of it. You've hit the crucial number, which is 28. And it's twenty eight. When you see market decline, there are, there is more in say unless and and less and less and less, and we can never really know this. Even with people we know, beat writers inside, closer to it, saying this and that about well, what the wider public don't see is we've picked up, and there are whispers all the time about certain players. Saquon has had injury issues, right? So. There is a very real chance that, outside of anything else, there is a concern about his fragility or durability, I should say, right? But the fact he's going to be prolific on the basis he stays healthy for a couple of years, the fact he's a talisman for this team—it's New York. This, the what it sends out, the message it sends out to teammates, to fans—all of those things, I think, have a value. I mean, obviously, the productivity has a value, but the other intangibles—the non. Uh, the the off the field impact of retaining a superstar player like this, just get the deal done. We're not talking about a mid carder here. We're not talking about an understandably interchangeable ninth rank running back, 14th rank running back that you can sure pick up a third rounder and slot in. This is one of the best players of his generation. He's a different level.
2: Do the deal. And another good reason for doing the deal is what it means for Daniel Jones Because if you've got a quarterback there who, let's be honest, is somewhat limited and he perhaps overachieved last season. I don't see him as the Giants quarterback of the future unless he really goes off this season. But for him to go off, to have that safety blanket of Saquon Barkley, if Saquon Barkley is fit and he is near what he's done in the past, just having that guy there. Makes such a difference to a youngish, relatively inexperienced, not super, super talented quarterback. Daniel right. Jones isn't winning you games on your own, right?
1: So, the, you got a middle of the road running back, fine, I get it, understood. Flip him as soon as the money doesn't make sense. You got a superstar, generational talent, and a middle of the road at best quarterback. <laughs> do, do the deal with a running back, he's not playing behind Mahomes. <laughs> All right, Daniel right. Jones, fair play to Daniel Jones. I love the fact he defied his critics. All, all pulling for Daniel Jones, pulling for Danny Dimes. Why wouldn't you? But come on, we're not, we're not talking about a ready-made offense here that's going to be blowing teams away. Back Saquon Barkley. Hey, Benny, we've got a lot to get into. I do want, before we welcome our special guests, because we are rolling out the NC Show Football Movie Hall of Fame once again. I and Mike, incidentally, uh inducted his nomination into the hall on monday so another reason to go and listen to that uh, mike fresh from the beach bar in the in the vault episode it's a goodie Uh, we're going to be joined uh by a, a friend of the show very soon who's going to nominate his movie into the hall but before we do that as we have been doing a lot on college days in recent weeks let's look ahead 2024 draft and look at a category that is crucial that I'm surprised we haven't done actually, but you know us, we haven't really put a huge amount of organization uh, (laughs) and thought into this process. Wide receivers. We haven't looked at wide receivers in the 24 draft yet. So Benny is a resident college expert, in-house guru. Get us up to speed. Players that are going to be in the NFL anytime soon. Wide receiver class. First things first, as I often ask you,
2: how big or rather how deep and serious a class is this? So I think as it stands right now, it's a little bit top heavy. I think there's between three and five players who stand out well above the next lot. Mm. Now, because we're talking about this in July, not in February of, uh, of next year, there's going to be a lot that can change. And there will Mm. be players, there'll probably be one of these, one of my top five, we're going to, we're going to hear my top three, but it's probably one Mm. of my top five, just law of averages will have a really disappointing season and end up not being a first rounder. And there'll be someone who will kind of come up at the moment. I think it's like, you'll get a really good player in the first round Mm -hmm. and then perhaps lower third, you'll start to get some amazing value. And at the moment, there's not that much between those two, Mm. if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. So there is depth there. But perhaps not so much in the middle.
1: Okay. And in terms of number of players, you think could go first round? Right. Right now, I'm line. gonna.
2: Right now, I'd say the over under five and a half.
1: Mm, okay. Okay. All right. So well, you're gonna? Did you say giving us four? That's kind I'm gonna. Of gi- I'm gonna give you my top three. I'm mm. gonna give you my top three. Oh, top three. Okay. All right. Um, and is is it power ranked, or you just saying these are my three favorites, and it's kind of interchangeable? Or is there a? Stand-out you know, what? I've guy? got.
2: I've got one standout guy, and the other two. I would kind of interchange. Mm. Um, My standout guy has to be Marvin Harrison Jr. Like this kid's got the genes. Everyone knows his his scary off the field dad, Marvin Harrison, who just worked magic with Peyton Manning. Um, Marvin Harrison is one of the best, one of the crispest root runners I've seen in college football in the last few years. And he's such a tough guy when but when the when the ball is coming in and he's got a cornerback kind of all over him, the way that he'll make those catches, even when he seems well covered, and sometimes, you know, when they've kind of both got their hands on the ball and he just like yanks it away, um, I think he is one of the best, one of the best wide receivers that we've seen in college football in the last decade. Like he is someone who, if he lives up to his potential, like perennial Pro Bowler, like wow, long, I mean, cr- long career,
1: lots of Pro Bowls. I love the father and son, the Joey Porter connection. I mean, I I love their story and and generationally, when you think about um, players that really stood out or tandems that have really stood out in terms of receiver tandems, Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison, I think have to be up there as two of my all time favorites, and the fact that juniors are heading into the nfl is is crazy in itself but i love this i love the fact he is not just gonna make it by the sound of it or make it to mm. the, the big show but as you have said given what we know about his dad and how he played the game this clear cut Closest to a sure thing kind of receiver, he's just uh, coming.
2: It's going to take care of business for ten years. Yeah, at that I, level. I love it. Like you know, I mean, he ended up at Ohio State. His dad played at Syracuse, and you just imagine Ohio State kind of like, okay, let's go and let's go and watch Marvin Harrison's son. And I imagine every major college in America was like, oh, "We want this kid. We want this kid." He, had, you know, he had his pick of the places, and Ohio State was a was a great was a great choice for him. And it's yeah, it's been fantastic. It. Okay, what a news. Who's number two? Um, I'm going to say Johnny Wilson of Florida state, who was a kind of breakout player last year, who was just, he made so many big plays. He's also great with contested catches, but the thing with him is he's so big. So he's six foot seven. He's got such a, such a wingspan that he's got, you know, the the catch radius is ridiculous. Like if that ball is just in the, in the ballpark of Johnny Wilson, Johnny Wilson is going to be able to get a hand to it and kind of it in he's got it he's got to do a bit more to kind of like get away from like cornerbacks because sometimes they will kind of stay will stay with him and he's uh, it can be a little bit too reliant on using his size which when you're up against the savvier NFL guys you've you've got to have a bit more a bit more to it but you see him play in all sorts of positions on the line he's like he's he's done slot he's kind of gone vertical he's surprisingly he's surprisingly versatile he's absolutely fantastic i think and for a six seven guy is he fast oh he's 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 fast but i feel like at certain points when it's like so over that first 10 or 15 yards super quick Mm. but then not quite as fast beyond that so like his 40 time might not be amazing but that first that first 20 which can get him open that he's just got that kind of like that that feet quickness so okay I really like him, and I think he's a first rounder.
1: Another first rounder, and based on your over underline being five and a half, your third pick is going to be a first rounder too.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to pick um, Xavier Worthy of Texas. He's a much smaller guy. He's only he's only six foot, but he is super fast. Like kind of when you when you go vertical, he is just absolutely blazing speed. He's so quick off the line that it makes life so difficult. Like you you can't even. Think about like, oh yeah, let's put a linebacker on him because he's just gonna be, he's just gonna be gone. His roots are fantastic as well. Not perhaps up there with Marvin Harrison, who looks like he could have a like a degree in root running, but he's he's explosive, he's fast, he needs to get a bit stronger. He's like I say, he's not the biggest guy in comparison with some of the others. And he could perhaps do with bulking up and being able to use his strength against the more physical corners and safeties, but I think he's gonna really develop. He's someone who should be, you know, a day one starter.
1: OK, love that. Now, in honor of Iron Mike, who whenever we ask him for, let's say five, top five, four things, seven things, he'll give us six things, <laughs> 11 <laughs> things, 22 things. Give us one for the road. Maybe not Benny, an obvious top tier first round hype kind of guy, but a player that you
2: you think could be a sneaky one to watch in the draft next year? Um, A guy I really like, and I think he's going to be fun to watch this season and see if he can come up is Jalen McMillan at Washington. Um, I'm not quite sure what to expect from Washington this year. They're not, um, they're not as good a team as the, as the other ones that I've, that I've just talked about. So he might have kind of fewer opportunities, but he's another one who is very versatile Um, he is, he's in fact, he's probably going to be like a kind of a a focal point, um, at Washington. So he's going to, he's going to get, he's going to get a lot of, he's going to get a lot of reps basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I like his speed. I like the fact that he's, he's, he's another one who's like six, one, but kind of plays bigger. Um, he's been so, he's been so reliable and I just saw him make so many fantastic spectacular catches, so many like really solid games, would kind of really reliable in the red zone. I think at the moment he's probably kind of a, a third round, a third round pick. But I think with a really good with a really good season and being able to like use those long arms, I think he's someone who could push himself to be perhaps a very early day two pick where someone draft him and realize, oh, do you know what? He's a day one talent and we've got ourselves a bargain and he can be a starter. So that's that's Jalen McMillan of Washington. Amazing. I love that. For, for the road, Benny, fine work.
1: More where that came from was we look ahead to the 24 draft with Ben. And of course, we're going to be talking a lot of college ball through the season as well. We're going to be um, keeping an eye on the big show as well as looking at players as they develop the draft classes it develops so you are building up savvy all the time ahead of next year's 24 draft so you are set you are ready you're ahead of the curve ahead of your mates good pub ammo there hey let's get down to some important business now Benny. time for our special guest He's a friend of the show he is of course a key part of the nfo uk community particularly because of his work with the national vintage league you were hanging out with him only last week right well let's find out exactly what you two got up to welcome back to the show the brilliant Chris Milner. Hey, Chris, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Looking sharp as ever. What's this about Benny heading over to the warehouse and, and hanging out? But did he give him freebies? Did Benny leave with swag? What went down here? Uh,
0: Benny left with a couple of pints in his belly and uh, oh, a couple of yeah. good ideas floating around his head. And uh, I pitched to him that he should have his book launch uh, party at the warehouse. Oh, I, don't I don't see why he would idea. do that, then.
2: Anyway. no i mean it's it's um it's currently in the hands of the publishers that's what i've said i would like to do um i need to see what they say i need to see what like what's <laughs> if they're going to spend some money but it seems the perfect place because the book will be for a lot of fans like a trip down trip down memory lane and being in like being in that warehouse the other week seeing seeing the stuff that's there seeing some you know not just some of the jerseys and it's like oh that guy forgot that guy but some of the incredible memorabilia that's kind of fallen into into chris's lap that just you could just spend so much time in that place it was it was a it was a great place to hang out talk about ideas for for future projects and just live in the past which was it made me very happy chris it's got has got me thinking ben chris do you reckon you
1: could get your hands on a retro notre dame jersey for me for for when we head over to dublin I mean, that's... who do you want? Montana or Thizman? I've got them both in the in the have right oh, now. Oh, d- all right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a tough call. i seeing as seeing it, he was one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done because of the John Candy nod. I'm going, I'm gonna go Montana. Yeah. If you got Montana, done deal. All right, that sounds fun. All right, legendary stuff. Uh, Chris Milne. Now, uh, we uh, have been rolling the NC show, the inaugural NC show, Hall of Movie Hall of Fame. Three uh submissions so far and chris you have the honor and it is a a privilege i feel i should underline to (laughs) to nominate your movie it's got to be the only criteria it's got to be football related in some way so we can go tenuous if you want to go tenuous we can go straight for the jugular if that's how you want to play it what film are you going for and of course you got to paint the picture of why it deserves a spot in the hall of fame
0: okay so it's pretty easy uh this is a first Gold jacket nomination because it's still the highest grossing sports comedy of all time and at the time was the highest grossing sports film ever until The Blind Side came out. My film nomination is the 1998 classic with Adam Sandler, The Waterboy. Well, of great course, pick. great. In pick.
1: your comedy chops, of course, it was going to be The Waterboy. I thought you might go Ace Ventura. I thought you
0: were about it, but. I think weirdly, the Water Boy ends up being less problematic. Um, so yeah, I wanted to stick with the Water Boy.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's true. It's less problematic. Ace Venture is very problematic now.
0: It yeah. uh, has,
1: hasn't aged well.
2: Um, if someone does nominate that, we're going to have
1: problems, Benny. All right. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners will have seen seen the Water Boy, but for those that haven't, or those that yeah saw it years ago, currently remember, give us the elevator pitch.
0: OK, so this was the third of Adam Sandler's run of classics, you know, started in, uh, you know, 95 with Billy Madison, 96, Happy Gilmore. And then this one was the one that really sort of like catapulted him into, you know, the upper echelon of comedy actors alongside, you know, Steve Martin and Jim Carrey. Um, he obviously plays uh, the water boy uh, for of the South Central Louisiana State University Mud Dogs classic name uh were originally going to be called the crawdads in an early script but they went with mud dogs which i think is definitely uh, a, a lasting uh, wonderful name for an imaginary sports team uh and yeah he goes on to basically be the team's star linebacker um uh, and uh, it was that real story of hiding sports from your parents basically is the <laughs> theme of that and uh social acceptance even if you are a bit of an outlier in society which i think speaks to all of us
1: uh, well, quite the uh, number of things I love straight off the bat uh, on on this Benny. Firstly, like any film, any sports film that has real life hosts, analysts, pay by play guys appearing as themselves, I think that's an automatic point. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so this has bounces in it, I think, and um, Brent Musburger as well. So it's got it's got the original yeah, crews. Um, then I love the fact uh, now. Sandler is a I guess he's a divisive figure, if that's not overstating it, in the sense that unbelievably prolific, successful, generally considered all round good guy, SNL alumni that, that that broke through as as Chris rightly said into a, a a comedic megastar. I gotta I gotta confess something here. I I'd, I like Sander and there there are certain films that I really enjoy. But I'm, and I think there are a number of Brits. I think it's a transatlantic thing to a degree. I haven't always quite rolled with his, with his style, style of comedy, but I respect massively what he's, what he's done. But one of the things I love most about him, like most about him, is the Entourage play. This has, this has Rob Schneider's longtime collaborator, Schneider's in it. Is Kevin Farley Chris Farley's brother? Do we know this? I'm just uh, looking at the cast list. Yeah, they're related. I'm sure. Yeah. He is the he's Chris Farley's brother. Okay, so uh, and of course Farley, one of one of Sandler's uh, original SNL crew. And this is something we see a lot with with Sandler, right? Grown ups is the, is, the, is I guess the prototype of this. That he's he like um, Clooney did with Ocean's Eleven, and I guess Sinatra did originally back with Ocean's Eleven. He's he's an entourage guys. He's, his crew come along. They all riff off different things. I love that about it.
0: I mean, the funny thing is about two of the most uh, roles in that film, other than Adam's, Adam Sandler, were were uh, his mum, who was played by Kathy Bates. Yeah, right? perfect. perfect. And then you had Coach Klein, who was played by Henry Winkler. And now the only reason those two ended up being in the film, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Henry Winkler actually hadn't had a role since Happy Days uh, and was really off the radar of Hollywood until he uh, was put in this film. And the only reason he was put in this film is because Adam Sandler had him mentioned in the Hanukkah song, which is one of his famous SNL bits about- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hanukkah and how they don't have any songs. So that's the only reason Winkler got in the film. Love that, and
1: the fonts. he, he wins back the fonts, for the fonts, who is one of the greats.
0: He When he pulls down his trousers and shows the tattoo of Roy Orbison on his bum, when he says, <laughs> oh, Mum, I don't know, won't hurt her. He actually got that tattoo. On his bum, and ended up getting it removed. But he said that he still kept the sunglasses from Roy Orbison tattooed on his bum to this day. Uh, That's amazing. too
2: method for me. Yeah, That's too amazing. method. It's,
0: it's a film getting him back in his uh, in his glory days. Let's
1: talk. Um, let's talk Sandler, right? So I think, so I think, Uncut Gems might be my favorite Sandler film. know right uh, Where we sat, but is Sandler? I'm guessing Chris, because you you nominated this, and and just the way you're talking about him, is he one of your main sorry comedic influences but comedic face. because just to remind listeners of course chris trod the boards as a stand-up and we've talked on on shows in the past about our, our comedic influence so just to just to reiterate when i say sana doesn't quite do it for me in terms of these movies i say that with the due deference that i realize he he, he works for other uh, other people and, and equally there are there are comedians i like that you know other people aren't, aren't showing me that's the whole point of it so is he yeah. one of your faves
0: I mean, comedy, as we know, is subjective um, and, you know, there's 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 different strokes, different folks. I always enjoyed watching his films. I really do feel like, you know, after the Jim Carrey films, which, you know, really hit me as a sort of like 10, 11 year old. And I was like, this is amazingly funny. This guy's insanely funny. All of the Jim. I think for me, it was a very natural progression moving from Carrey films to Sandler films. Mm. um and i don't know why i love the sports element to them i mean like i prefer happy gilmore and um, the water boy to to, to, to uh, billy madison or um Big yeah, Daddy or, yeah. Uh, the other ones because i like it when films are you know to do with sports and so mm. for me that kind of hit the apex there with uh, with the water boy
2: clearly mm. loves sports as well and that really comes across in in so many of these films, not just like, not just the ones that are sport focused, but you can see that he really cares. And he's obviously been a big kind of a, a big general sports fan and and people within sport absolutely love his sports films. They love Happy Gilmore. They love the water boy. There was a, there was a player, um, Rich Ormberg, who said, Ormberg, sorry, who said that the only reason he tried out for football when he was in high school, because he saw the water boy and it inspired him. And he had like about a 10 year NFL career like drafted by the Patriots, like he's had an actual effect on the NFL.
0: Mm. I mean, uh, the, the, funnily enough, the Waterboy was originally supposed to be set in New England. It was originally going to be, the script was about a college football team uh, in New England, and it was actually going to be shot in black and white. Um, but, uh, but that changed when uh, Adam Sandler went down to, um, to New Orleans for, uh, for Mardi Gras. was like, oh, we should set this in Louisiana. It's much better. And they have so, it in colour. Yeah even I, though it wasn't certain we it was set in and it was filmed all in Florida. So I was going to say I
1: mean it's a lot more fun if you're filming in in uh, in New Orleans if that's where you said but again as you said filmed in, in Florida probably still definitely warmer than uh, <laughs> No
0: Florida in, in the winter apparently and it was very oh. difficult to get the you know the this famous scene where the defensive guy has his nipple rings and the, he's going <laughs> Yeah apparently <laughs> that was a really cold scene and it wasn't hot at all um I love
1: it. I love it. I love the nomination. I think it's going straight in. We can't ignore the water boy. Um, and I don't know, we haven't really worked out the voting and selection process, but it seems to be our friends say the film, they want to go and and it goes in, right? That seems to be, although you've been working on the bracket, right? Yeah.
2: Oh, I, but I'm, but
0: I'm, I just, I, I just I, mentioned before we talk about where this lies, I do no. need to point out there is a slight caveat, Mm-mm. right? Yeah, I don't want to say it's Barry Bonds-esque caveats, but remember, the weekend that the Waterboy premiered yep. was also the premiere of the trailer for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So apparently, hmm. a lot of Star Wars fans only bought a ticket to see the Waterboy so they could watch the trailer, and then they left. So, so I don't know whether these are inflated numbers, but there, that is—I would be remiss if I did not mention that there were there were a lot of films
2: that got a boost from that. And I say that as someone, and I, I'll say this out loud, and it might sound <laughs> ridiculous, but this this I wrote my university dissertation on the Star Wars Episode One trailer, not necessarily what was in it, but the cultural impact of it, including the fact that people were queuing up to watch films. And then walking out after the after the after the trailers. I from what I'd read at the time, there were certain films where that was happening a lot and the Waterboy wasn't one of those. So maybe no, it got what? a boost. People They're were still I mean people were staying. I mean, people were staying to watch, is what oh, I, mean.
0: I mean. Why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, no,
2: Whereas yeah. some films they didn't stay to watch. Have, you ever, have have either of you ever walked out
1: of a film you've paid to see in the cinema? Yeah,
0: Zoolander 2.
1: You walked out of Zoolander Two. You see, stiller, I would have. Not that I'm going to advocate Zoolander Two as one of the all-time greats, but stiller, I would have in 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 a in a top tier uh, in terms of film film comics. But
0: I bought a in the first place. Now, but, but I, I, I don't think I've stay. seen Zoolander Two though. So. Yeah, we 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 had a big argument over that. Because she
1: stayed, and time. you went, and you just couldn't couldn't hack it,
2: couldn't handle it. Uh, I've never walked out. To me, it's like if I'm in a restaurant and the and the meal is bad, I'm still eating it. I still want. I still want risk food.
1: We risk food poisoning bed just to finish, just out of principle. Yeah, get my money's worth. Yeah, yeah I. Yeah. I think the only film I can remember walking out of is The Devil's Advocate with Pacino and Keanu Reeves, and it's painful given that Pacino is Matt Rushmore for me. I yeah, I, I just I, I I was getting a headache. I was getting a headache by the end. It was. Uh, and I've, often when I say that to people, they look utterly incredulous. Like, The Devil's Advocate's a great film. <laughs> I don't know how we got onto The Devil's Advocate from the Waterboy, but there you go. So, okay. Uh, back to that bracket, Benny. So you're going to, how's this going to work? Because you sent me something on WhatsApp earlier in the week that I looked to be a bracket. Are we, are we going to put, Yeah. are these going into the Hall of Fame or are we getting people to, once they're in the
2: Hall of Fame to vote? Or has it how's it working? So what I thought I would do is I would take Thirty-two generally what's considered to be, say, the thirty-two best mm. um, films that have American football as.
0: Are there
2: thirty-two? Uh, <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> there are there were some that didn't it's make right. the cut. Wow, and I'm not. I
0: saw an article sort of like the five hundred best basis in the world. I was like, are there five yeah. <laughs>
2: hundred? I found thir- I found thirty-two. Who's, who's five hundred t- on that list? I, to know. I to know. Are you pleased you're on it, or are you like oh, Arthur?
0: 500. Life. I came you in at number 498, Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. So there was some. There was some that made the cut that perhaps some people feel shouldn't, such as Air Bud, uh, Golden Receiver. Who doesn't feel that should be on there? I mean, bring. I, I just TV feel it's now. not one of the best Air Bud films. That's the oh, thing. It's the whole
0: yeah. So. Yeah.
2: And it's 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 kind of roughly <laughs> seeded. <laughs> so the, the films that are more popular um, yeah. generally have got an easier matchup in the first round, in theory. All right. So there are thirty-two, and it's kind of it would be a straight knockout. All right. And we would see what the what the listener's favorite film is. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be something that's already going in the hall of fame. But if it's not already in the hall of fame, then oh, it gets I think a spot in there. Okay, win I it, love it Yeah, it's in, yeah, yeah. I, I love this. So it's
1: like a bracket. That could earn a movie ah oh, because we might then get some fan voting around there but well someone might yeah, nominate actually I mean I did see Hollywood Dan at Springsteen the other week and we'll get Hollywood Dan on I'm a uh, Hollywood Dan shout American old School Crew Hollywood Dan I could see going for Airbud Golden Receiver I could see him I, I could see him, see him remaking Airbud Golden Receiver <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, oh, can a can gritty I, reboot Can I at this point withdraw mm. my nomination and actually put forward the Devil's Advocate? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, Get and, out uh, of here! Annoying that, and uh, maybe ruin the bracket. It's like I'm... when Rage Against the Machine, one Christmas number one. Everyone's going to we're going to have like a, you know a rebel <laughs> voting streak for Devil's Advocate. But Devil's <laughs> Advocate, American all... football film of all time.
1: I'm, ter- I'm terrified <laughs> after my Mike Mayock running that I'm going to um, I'm going to somehow be in an airport bar with Pacino sitting on one stool, and then uh, <laughs> and be chatting. Think, oh my god, it's. Pacino and I'm making small talk and this is one of the greatest moments of my life and then someone uh a, a listener to the show coming in referencing the <laughs> devil's advocate story and it all goes horribly up Pacino <laughs> goes off the first class with Ben
0: <laughs>
1: yeah uh, I'm sitting there with my whiskey ruining the day I said uh that I didn't like the, dev- the devil's advocate um Chris it's great to see you man and um Congratulations as ever on uh, on uh, National Vintage League. It sounds like we're going to have the book launch there, which is good. And as we've spoken about many times, uh, we are going to be uh, over your sides during the regular season and, and do a whole show from there. So I'm looking forward to that. And as he kind of alluded to, when he talked about you and Ben having a few beers, there might be a few other things in the pipeline with the three of us coming your way, gang. So uh, I'm going to drop that out as a teaser and see how see how that plays. So if our listeners want to follow you on social, it's uh, at MVL tweets, right?
0: Correct, at MBL tweets, at Chris Milner. Um, yeah, Chris in the NFL and National Vinci League on Instagram. Um, you know. Looking forward to that. And that's Mon- if you're in
1: like- Montana jersey, box that up for me, bud. That, is, that has my name on it. Let me know the damage, and I'm going to be wearing a resplendent at uh, the uh, uh, College Football Classic in Dublin, wearing that. Benny, that's setting the bar quite high, mate. You got to, I'm laying down a marker to you and ProPo now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll generally, I'm, I'm going for streetwear in general for that game i just want oh, yeah. look. i just yeah. want i want to make sure i get into the bars and clubs of dublin after the game oh i see. And not just Smart. not just going crazy in the president's box as we did last time after the game oh, god yeah i do i would
1: forgotten that but yeah we did we certainly uh have you seen the the northwestern stories that have,
2: have uh, been rolled away so that's probably a separate pub that we should uh, we yeah should that's not into. great yeah. not it's great at all but we we did see that coach's last ever win that was his last was the last ownership. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't That's... win a game in America last year. Mm, there you go. There you go. Uh, brilliant stuff.
0: More... things, by the way, just before I go, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention on this day of days, mm. shout out to Josh Harris and the new ownership group of the Washington Commanders. The days of Dan Snyder are officially over. Uh, We've been talking it... all
1: about it. Uh, the, you know what was what you can do, the magic of pod. You can go back. Now this is kind of, really kind of spinning metaverse on its head but we talked about at the top of the show you didn't hear that you come in at, at the bottom of the show now you're bigging up snyder you can go back no, and- not.
0: <laughs> no he's up. not he's not he Clip that out right now because th- th- he's in big- london that if i ever see him this is like your al pacino thing oh god What's is I'm being next to snyder and buddy pret a and someone's going to play the podcast with you going oh you know when you're bigging up snyder I'm <laughs> Well, Dan Chris to lose all
1: his credibility. We, we're, yeah. we're actually, I think we landed on we're gonna, much as we don't like Snyder, um, we're fine with him financing our film with the um the film that Rakesh has been working on with AI that has Ben as their draft hero. Uh we're fine to take his money, we're fine to take the dollar. So he can finance that, the devil's advocate too, another Air Bud. Movie. We can just create some kind of all new Hollywood studio there. So um yeah, shout out to to Dan Snyder with Top of the Tail oh, of no. the show with him. Um <laughs> <laughs> Benny, brilliant stuff, mate. Look after yourself. Enjoy your holes. Ben's off on the, on the road, so we'll see him in a few weeks' time. Chris, you'll be checking back in with us very soon as well. Fine work, fellas. We are back next week, me and Propo, with a much-anticipated uh, Gen X, Gen Z special. That's coming finally next week. Ollie's finally sobered up and sorted himself out, so he's going to be back in the house. Uh, and we've got lots more coming your way as we build up to the 2023 season. Where are we now? Friday the 21st of July. Yeah, we've got a stack yeah, of there, episodes. 58
0: running. days. How many days, mate? I think it's about 58, 56, something like that. Oh, no, we're under 60. That's the point.
1: Not that anyone's counting. Love that. We are rolling fast to the season, and we are right here getting you set for it. Brilliant stuff, fellas. Look after yourself. See you soon. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.